welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. Hello and welcome into the roundout review of the 2021 NRL season. This is a Six Again podcast. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, the 3rd of May, um, Labor Day weekend, I think. I couldn't remember what this public holiday was for, but it was awesome. Yeah, it was Labor Day in Labor Queensland. Day. Oh, in, oh. Shows oh, how we'll about this public holiday. Um, thank you uh, for for it anyway, whoever I should be thanking. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I've I've literally, I was, we watched, um, I've been getting our rumpus room ready and Annabelle came and said, watch this. And she was pointing to a box set of Futurama. And um, they had Labor Day on there literally today. And they're going, what? That public holiday um, created by large companies, blah, 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 blah. I didn't understand everything. Hot dog, a day off. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much what Labor Day is for me too. Do you know what the history of it is, Jared? Yes, it's about the strikes of fair work conditions. There we go. Brilliant. Do we have fair work conditions, Jared? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. So you had a good weekend, man. You had a good long weekend. So it was funny. It's been too many long weekends in a row. It was funny. So last night, I got a message about 6.30. He's like, nah, it's not happening tonight. Can we go tomorrow during the day? And I'm like, yeah, fine. And because I don't have as many commitments, obviously, because I don't have two small children. I go, what time are the children asleep? during the day and he goes between 12 and 2 30 around about that and i was they like were actually oh, asleep 12 30 i messaged him how you check and he goes <laughs> no and i was like okay i'll see you tonight they were actually asleep from 12 so to what, what were you I doing sure what, what 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 happened around the house i actually got some <laughs> stuff done and then i watched the formula the formula one race that i wasn't able to watch last night so it was on at 1 a.m and then I did some prep for this and some work for tomorrow. So I'm at districts as a marshal or something. So I'm not actually going to be at work. So I had to get those lessons done up. Um, so I did them up in my head. Now I've got to put them down on the paper after this. And yeah, not good. Oh, yeah. All kinds of fun for Adam. Yeah. And then in between that, um, we watched some footy over the weekend too, which is what we're actually going to talk about at some point. And um, a really random weekend and, and uh, around that I think is going to be remembered for uh, all the wrong reasons, unfortunately. Um, Brett Morris's injury headlining that. Oh. And that was one of the most random things because we were both watching that game at, at being uh, with the Knights involved. And Roos's games in the bag early on and then two two of the same injuries within a, what, three, five-minute period. Yeah. Uh, it was horrible. So, as far as that was, I haven't actually heard Vossi apologise for his rant. Oh, Did you watch it? And stuff. Yeah. So, anyone who didn't get to watch it, 
Josh Mar- Josh Mar- was it Josh? It was Josh, wasn't it? Brett. Josh? Brett. So Brett got Josh hit over the sideline. Yeah, well, we're not talking about that for now. Um, Brett got knocked over the sideline. Done his ACL. He's just screaming in pain. And NRL conditions for someone running a home game, they have to have a medicab. So Paul, Andrew Voss was ranting and raving about an unprofessional Newcastle were that they didn't have one there and yada, yada, yada. It looked horrible for the game. It looked like park footy was a direct quote. And then Brett Morris came out and said the next day, he goes, yeah, I, got, I, I asked for it. They asked me to get one. And I said, no, because this is probably going to be my last game. And I wanted to walk off or hobble off. Yeah. And um, Andrew Voss hasn't exactly apologized to Newcastle for it. So... I don't, I don't, I don't remember him saying Newcastle. I think it was, it was pointed out. Well, New- well, Newcastle will hold the home game, so they would have all the facilities and the medicab. So it's kind of Newcastle. It's not NRL. No, yeah. like, and NRL physio NRL- came out and said, if you don't, once you do the ACL, you can't do any more damage. So yeah, and it just he he, he ran. He, instead of talking about how good of a player Brett Morris were and how disappointing, he ranted and raved about a decision ultimately come down to Brett Morris. So that part was a bit annoying. Yeah, it's what Vuzzy does on a week out, so I don't listen to him. Anyway, um, bit of an up and down intro. Some, some Jared's raving already. I've got him. Oh, I haven't even started. I oh, know. I'm going to get him around a few times after that, I think. Um, let's start with all the stuff off the field in our off the ruck segment. And... We might just come and swing straight back around to Brett Morris because I've got some numbers to throw at you. Go for it. All right. So on off the ruck this week, we've got a, a number of items ranging from where will Brett Morris go down in the ranks of wingers of all time, if this is in cases last, if if this is the case that it's the last game, all the way up to international drug smuggling syndicates. Um <laughs> So it's a big range of topics. So, all right, let's start at the Roosters and Knights game. So Roosters had this game in the bag, like I said, and Lindsay Collins uh, first did his ACL and then Brett Morris did. And, of course, the the news and the highlights are on Brett Morris because of the career he's had and definitely been having the last two years and was getting very close to chasing down the all-time tries record and he would have still had to play in that season or so but not the way we'd want anyone would want to see Brett Morris go out I think I saw a tweet um if you're a rugby league fan and you don't enjoy watching the Morris brothers play I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase there's something wrong with you and I have to agree, even being a, a Queenslander and a non-Bulldogs, nor Roosters, nor Dragons supporter, there's just something about both these fellas, how they play is how you want every person on your team to play. Um, selfless, no crap in their game, works hard, work, play above their weight. They're just brilliant. It's, it was a horrible moment to see him go down. They are a perfect example to all the wankers in the NRL who are showboating and all that kind of stuff, that you can get to a point where they're at, have so much respect, but still be that good. Yeah. 
They, yeah. they haven't just... made... Yeah, there's no controversies about them. They haven't made anything. Yeah. They've just I love those bikes. There. I think yeah. they just... I remember them playing when we were in high school and you're in primary school. And <laughs> yeah. And they just seem like the exact same players, mine, the, the gray hairs. So I went back and had a look at if this is his last game, there's been talk around is he the greatest winger or is he in the conversation of the greatest winger of all time? And I like looking at things via numbers as well as on field. Uh, results. So the top five as it stands in tries scored in the NRL, ARL era are Ken Irvine, number one, uh, 212 tries. Billy Slater, number two, 191. Steve Menzies, number three, 180. Brett Morris, number four, 176. So he had another 16 games uh, this season, at least, you'd say. He would have overtaken Steve Menzies and he would have had a shot at Billy Slater this year. He'd need 15 more. Uh, in Which 20 is entirely possible the way he was playing. So, yeah, there's, there was a possibility that he would have gone to the end of this season, um, definitely within striking distance to become the greatest try scorer of all time if he went around one more year. And I remember this happening with Steve Menzies and sorry, uh, Billy Slater and him getting injured towards the end of his career and it really slowing down his try scoring record because he looked on pace for it as well. Um, my question to you, your, my first question is, Ken Irvine being the first out and out winger on the list, but Brett Morris being the second, do you know who the next three wingers are um, in the all-time tries scored? Is that Irvine there? No. El Masri? Yes. So El Masri is the fourth winger on the Edding list. Eddinghausen was a center. Yes. So I didn't count him. Uh, yeah. Um, are they recent? Uh, they're, they're in our eras of watching. Uh, okay. No. Nah. Um, so. All of these players played against each other in the same era at some point. So Brett, um, El Masri, and the other two are in there as well. Would Josh Morris be there? He's in between El Masri and the next one, but he's a center. Oh, he, okay. No, nah, I have no idea. Uh, Matt no, Singh. Oh, okay, yeah. Matt Singh is the fourth winger. Sorry, third winger. So Ken Irvine, Brett Morris, Matt Singh, um, El Masri, and then Nathan Merritt. Oh, yeah. Ted Vatavai, he's down there. Oh, he's only two behind Merritt. Look at that. Good on you. Um, yeah. So if you look at the top 10, you've got Ken Irvine, winger from North Sydney and Manly, Billy Slater, Steve Menzies, Brett Morris, Andrew Eddinghausen, Terry Lamb, Brett Stewart, Matt Singh, El Masri, Josh Morris, um, and then you got a tie in 11th with Nathan Merritt and Michael Jennings. Now, Jennings is up there, Jesus. Yeah. And other more recent names, uh, Vadavai, Inglis, uh, are both Inglis makes up the top 15. So, looking at, if you're looking at statistics only, a, a winger's job is to score tries. 
looking at the tries per game record or average, sorry, tries per game. If I take out, no, I'm not going to take him out actually. Brett Morris, when you compare him to Ken Irvine, Billy Slater, Steve Menzies, Andrew Eddinghausen, Matt Singh, El Masri, and Nathan Merritt, where do you think he would rank on average tries per game? Ken Irvine, way higher because he played way less games than these blokes. Yep. So Ken Irvine averaged 0.89 or almost 0.9 tries per game. So if he was in fantasy league, NRL fantasy land, you're almost banking a try per game. He played 236 games, so it's not a small sample size, and scored 212 tries. That's insane. Yeah. Um, he is 20 points or 20 percentage points higher than the next person. Yeah, no, it's, it's nuts. So Brett Morris, he averages 0.63 tries per game. In the era of system defense, which is pretty much now, he ranks third highest on that on the top 10 list. Only Nathan Merritt, 154 tries in 237 games, um, outdoes Brett Moritz, 176 in 278 tri- in 278 games. So he's averaging well over half a try um, per game, which is Nuts. To put it in perspective, Billy Slater was 0.59. Andrew Eddinghausen was 0.5. So he's dead flat half a try a game, and you're looking at Brett Morris 13 percentage points higher. He's just an absolute freak. Uh, he, yeah, he, he's a weapon. And he, and he hasn't always played in great teams either. No. Like he's played in teams that have struggled. Yeah. Which is, you know, Ken Irvine played in that St. George team that won a No, no, no. Ken Irvine was North Sydney and Manly. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. Mm. Um, but either way, and Billy Slater played in, well, the greatest team of our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's really, really staggering how good this bloke is. And every time I bring up this list, it's still crazy to see Steve Menzies up there with all of these backs. I'm waiting to see the next... I don't know some of these other really old school players like from the 1912s, 1920s, etc. But the next Ford I recognize. Still scrolling down. I'm up to the 30s. Luke Lewis, I guess. If you put him in Fords for the second half of his career, he's tied 35th. He he was one of the good good ones as well. Didn't cause bullshit, but he was he started on the wing, and then he he was so good that he was able to move himself position by position and through the back line. Ended up one of the toughest sons of bitches in second round of the competition. It yeah. was so cool. I love watching his career progress. So I scrolled all the way down to the seventieth in history, and I couldn't find an out and out forward. Uh, in saying that, Steve Menzies did score a lot of them in centre. Anyway, I, I've got Brett Morris as the best winger I've seen. Um, and that's, what, a 20-year sample size at least. So, actually, longer than that, 25 years. Jeez. But, yeah, some crazy, crazy stats there with regards to how many tries he's been able to score per game in such a defensive-orientated era. 
especially the second half of his career. All right. Um, moving on. Broncos, Dave Donaghy. <sighs> so one of his first statements that he's come out and said is trying to put an end to vultures poaching talent uh, away from clubs and that something has to be done about it. And this is coming from a guy who's come from the Melbourne Storm who uh, let's just, uh, maybe haven't poached. Actually, no, it's crazy. No, I wouldn't say they've ever poached uh, a big-name player. Josh Adekar? He wasn't that big name when he went over there. Like you, he, no, they no. Made, he's not a player. Like, okay, Newcastle style got Mitchell Pearce after the Roosters got rid of him. Um, you know, big name. I think they're signings. talking about young talent. Young talent. That's what I said. Oh, Adam, well, was establishing. Pappenhausen? Ah, but they, they they're, they're, better at, they're better at identifying them. Like, for example, for, for, to be honest, sorry, um, Melbourne's, when they bought a big name player, it's actually failed more often than it has gone well. So yeah, the we're not talking about big name players. We're talking about the young talent that a club's like developed and is talking about stopping like what Titans did with the feeder, I guess. Yeah, but the only way to stop that is in-house. You mm-hmm. don't call the NRL to help you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Broncos must have done it. wants the NRL to find a way to stop vultures from poaching players that clubs invest years into developing as they move to stave off the threat of Melbourne snatching Xavier Coates. So Xavier Coates toured the Melbourne facilities over the weekend. And it's becoming more and more likely that Xavier Coates is going to be signing on at Melbourne uh, with Bellamy having his one-year extension in place as well. I just think it, it, it's quite ironic that the first statement he makes is against Melbourne and, and their actions. Um, could have been any club as well. And, but yeah, Broncos are in the spotlight, I guess, uh, most recently of the young players moving away from the club. But you're also saying that Broncos have brought a lot of young talent into their club over the years as well. So it's not saying I see the NRL doing unless there's like a loyalty package or something that can be put into the salary cap. But that's been brought up so many times and it never really gets more. It never really gets more tread than just circling in the media. And Graham Mansley's pretty much come out and said, you can't keep them all, you can't pay for them all. And that's true. I guess it's also lines up with how well Sam Walker and Reese Walsh played this week, both uh, coming from the Broncos system. And can you imagine the Broncos this year running out a Sam Walker, Reese Walsh combination in the halves? <sighs> Do you think that Sam Walker would play as well as he has been without the players around him? Yes. I remember. You know what? Because you look at the Roosters team he's playing in this year. It's not the Roosters team from last year. It's not. It's still not a bad team. Yeah, it's still not a bad team. It's still not as anywhere near as good as it would be. Oh, no, it's not. I'd but say a Roosters team of last year had belt the Roosters team this year by quite a bit. Oh. Oh. Either way, he, he's a great player. He's played three games. I don't believe he's good enough to turn around what Broncos are in the middle of right now. 
No, There's I wouldn't no say way turn around, but they could But you be just doing said, it. imagine how good Broncos would be playing with him and Reese Walsh in a team. Oh, they'd be they playing better be... than they are. Oh, oh, I don't know. I reckon this way, if you put Luke Brooks into the Roosters team, would he be playing as good as Sam Walker? No way. Mate, but what two players aren't going to change the Broncos. No, I'm just saying they'd be in a much better position than running nah. out Milford or... Nah, there there, there or... wouldn't be any difference. Oh, he would not have the confidence to play the way he's playing without Roosters players around him. He wouldn't have the... Um... No, so I think you're selling him short. I definitely think he would because he's overcalling, and that's what the guys are saying. They're, he's overcalling everybody. And look yeah, at Rick, because he's in a much Trent, different system. Trent Robinson's given him, given him the keys to the kingdom. Kevin Walters doesn't even know who he wants to play at halfback. True. He wouldn't even be sure if Sam Walker would be good enough. He would make one mistake and get shunted back to A grade locally, the way Kevin Walter's been coaching his Broncos team this year. True. Like with all the players, prefer to have him available. And yeah, oh, hundred percent they'd have available, but then they would have had to get rid of Tom Dearden, who was supposedly better than Sam Walker coming through. Then they would have had to get rid of. Just because the teams, like, look how good Newcastle would be with Pangai Jr. and Boyd Cordner in the second row for them. They're Newcastle juniors. So how good would that, how good, would they be better now with those two playing? Hell yes. But the reality of it is they're not. No. But, and that's not poaching. That's is going, that's all it comes down to. These kids are making the decision to leave the club and there's something wrong with the club. Mm. So it's not... And I don't believe that the way Broncos put now, anyone playing for them other than an Adam Reynolds or a season half would be able to change what's going on there. I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine anything different with Reese Walsh, Lindsay Collins is another one, um, or Sam Walker playing for them. I don't see anything different in them. No, in but the they're in a better position than they are now. Like as I, a- I, I don't believe so because they've still got four halves in their books. Yes. Because then you could get rid of your Tyson Gamble. You could get rid of Diddy. Why would you get rid of Tyson Gamble? He's the best player in the game on the weekend. Oh, I'd take Sam Walker and Reese Walsh over him any day of the week. But Reese Walsh isn't even a halfback. He's he's had chances. Reese Walsh isn't even a halfback. Had chances. These two have done more in three games than any of those others in the list have had have done. Reese Walsh did not play well in his first game. He dropped about four balls at fullback. There's a reason oh. he got hooked out of fullback to 5'8". He did play well in his second game. Sam Walker, shit, this reminds me of Mitchell Pierce so much. It scares me. Except, I, I agree with Matty Johns. I think for how he's come in and how he's played, he was being undervalued going into his debut. Mm. Like, mm. unramped. And so was Mitchell Pierce when he debuted. And look what happened to him. He got put into origin too young. He got screwed over. Yeah, I don't see him. I don't see Walker playing Origin for a few years. I don't see Walker playing, but I one injury to Cherry Evans. This, <laughs> look what happens, mate! One injury to Cherry Evans, so he he will get put in that conversation so quickly. He was barely allowed to play NRL this year, only by he only just turned eighteen this year to play. I see so much of Mitchell Pierce in this because Mitchell Pierce done exactly the same thing when he debuted. I'm mm. genuinely worried about this bloke that he's going to get... So, because 
Don't get me wrong. He's playing amazingly well. He has all the confidence mm. in the world. That try he set up for one of the Morris twins where they made a break, he got the ball, he mm. stopped, propped, looked, and put a little kick to the left. That was absolutely amazing. I was sitting there, I was a Newcastle fan, like clapping at that. But the reality of it is that NRL supporters and NRL thing put too much on four good games True. on a young fella. And if he gets touted as the next big thing for Queensland, he'll either become, you know, become the greatest player ever or fail miserably and have multiple origin series losses blamed on him like Mitchell Pearce. And then it'll just destroy his confidence moving forward. Even Cooper Cronk, the, one of the best halves we've ever seen, spent about three series sitting on the bench. And that's the difference between Queensland and New South Wales and their selections. I really hope, but like I said, one injury I think the, to Cherry. The only, no, there's there's a number of players they'd put in front. Uh, they'd put Ben Hunt in first. Oh. Put, I'm not saying he's better. I'm just saying they would. They wouldn't want to make the same decision. Would, Bloody hope so. Um, That's all I'm saying. The only selection mistake. I'm just trying to think back where Marone's put a player in too early, or no, maybe not too early, but in the wrong circumstance. Um, was probably the first time they picked Cherry Evans, I think, and they put him in the wrong. It was just the wrong circumstance. The I, wrong. I, so I think I, they put him off the bench then, and he was playing like a lock. Like which they tried to do with, which they did with um, Kronk. Yeah, and um, but Kronk's sort of body type and his, I don't know. I think it was it was the wrong circuit, and then that you didn't Cherry Evans pick for another three or four seasons or something. But I can't see NRL supporters, NRL journalists, literally want to ruin a young kid's career before it even starts. They need something to write and talk about. Oh, it it annoys me. Even even one of our mates in the group chat put it up, and I was just sitting there. I threw my phone away. I was fucking seething. I was like, yeah. don't, please don't. No. I was so mad. What what I was impressed with, um, that try try assist you were talking about. I went, how many of the how many of the established halfbacks in the comp could do that? I would think to do that. Oh, off, no. They're off foot. Adam Reynolds, because he's got that that kicking ability. Yeah. Um I, I would say in here. Uh, no, no, no. I, 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 I'd put Cherry in there. I reckon. Cherry, he could. yeah, Cherry could. He's uh, Sean Johnson um, could as well. He's he, when he's confident team. enough, when he, if he's yeah. on his day. Mitchell Pierce on his day could. Um, it's just that the prop, the stop, the look, dip with their off foot, a perfect chip, pull it up. I reckon. Honestly, I reckon Scott Drinkwater. Scott Drinkwater could. So I reckon he's good enough, enough of that skill from him to do that. Actually, yeah, I reckon he's rubbers, but I haven't seen any of his chip. Yeah, I reckon he could. Um, but I really rate him. Yeah. Um, there's not many you could do that, and not many, like I said, who have the confidence. I don't think that the Broncos higher ups are instilling much confidence right now in their halves. So yeah. I think that's a big thing. If you have people around you saying, you know, you know, pull your head in, but you're doing really well, kind of thing, and people actually supporting you, which is not happening to Broncos. Um, I don't think Sam Walker would have had the confidence to do that there. Yeah, cool. And this all came from the new Broncos CEO saying, don't poach players and then everyone needs to do something about it. Anyway, 
Um, George Williams is homesick. We'll keep an eye on that story. Uh, last summer, Raiders player was homesick was John Bateman, and he was politely said to by the Raiders, you've got a contract here, um, and we're not letting you go until it either it, it, it's ending or we get a player of the same quality to be able to come in and replace you from wherever, and we've got to have time to find that. So more on that, but if you're a Raiders fan, I'd be not concerned, but I, I'd be just keeping an eye on that one. Um, some epic coach sprays this week, and I, I am a big fan of coach sprays. Um, Penrith versus Manly out in Bathurst. Penrith got the jump on Manly out there, and Manly didn't have the confidence that they've been shown over the first few weeks. And if you haven't seen it, the, the footage of Hasler in the sheds uh, at halftime was brilliant. Uh, it looks like Bathurst is quite narrow change room. Oh, that was, that was shitty shit. Oh, man, that was shit. And there's a point where he's just walking down the line and he points out and Tom Trebojevic is on the exercise bike. <laughs> Trebojevic actually kind of has this, oh, you're talking to me, and then he looks behind him to see who's behind him. Um, but he was freaking livid and it lifted Manly in the second half. They played much better, put the most points on Penrith this season. Still uh, lost comfortably in the end. Not by points, but Penrith are in control. And um, Michael Maguire, a pre-game spray, which you don't see a lot of, going into their game against the Dragons. And they didn't do so much with regards to them scoring points, but it must have done a hell of a lot for their defense, only letting in six, I believe, uh, by half time to the Dragons. So it had me thinking, if you look around the league at the moment, we're pretty blessed with coaches who um, can blow a lid. And if you could get a, a, a top five, you'd have Hazler and Maguire in there with Bellamy, of course. Um, yeah. Who else would go in there for people that we see? I reckon Holbrook would get mad. Go off. Yeah, we haven't seen. Him, I don't think. Yeah, but I reckon he's got the face that goes really red. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah you can see that. Ricky Trent Trent Barrett just rambles. A, yeah. Tell, tell you what, someone yeller is he? No, like that. Was yeah. Tell tell you what, someone who does go off in the coach's box is Adam O'Brien. Oh yeah. He does. He does the Bellamy and walks away. Yeah. He he he's a clone. I don't. I I've. To be honest, I never actually watched it, but I've never actually seen him tee off at his players. Neither have I. Um, That's what I'm trying sorry, to think. Who'd be another he, candidate? Uh, yeah, he goes off in the... Um, Fred Arthur? Oh. Oh, I reckon Todd Payton would. <laughs> yeah, I reckon yeah, well, he breaks it. I, I think he's more of a just straight up sort of... This is what, what the, it's not good enough and... The kind of guy you'd be more worried if he was quiet. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think Andrew Voss actually said something funny on the weekend, saying they should they either need bigger coaches boxes or a treadmill in the coaches box, and instead of going for a walk around, just jump straight on the treadmill and just work, work it off. Um, yeah, I was just like that was some epic coaches phrase. Uh, if you didn't see it this morning, what? What about it? Oh, my wife just put her head in and said, Jeff Toovey. Um, <laughs> no, Ricky Stewart. He, he's into, um, into the media, but yeah. That just put my head up. I was waiting for Maddie to finish the rest of the sentence. She went, Jeff Toovey. I was like, what, what, what about him? What about him? Hi, Maddie. 
Jared says hi, Maddie. This is good radio, that podcast. Um, I reckon Ritz debut this morning for Warrington in round six, I believe, of the Super League. A uh, bit rusty in the first half, dropped ball early on. Uh, playing left centre, did go over for a, I'm going to say, customary Greg Inglis try, gets the ball five, six metres out, holds off three players, palms one. Uh, gets taken to ground, still reaches it around, Look. scores it over the try line, and then shifts Look. back for the last 25 minutes. So he looked pretty fit too. Look, 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 look. Let's not let's not say that it was a good try, okay? Because that was some I didn't. I just said it's a, it's a it's a standard English try. Like he's done it a hundred times. It was not the best yeah. defense, but it was a piss poor effort in defense. Yeah, but we've seen him do that against piss poor and good defense in the past where he's kind of standing there just swatting people and look i'm gonna stay quiet on this subject because i've been very vocal about it all right what jared was vocal about on the weekend was something about the medical retirement blah 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 i don't think it's fraud it's not i don't know how anyone says i understand this rule where some players get it some players don't I'm bitter about it because it cost Manly two off seasons of purchasing players because Brett Stewart and Steve Mardo weren't allowed to medically retire. So they didn't play yeah, the higher season, but they were still on the books. Um, I don't understand that one. Yet some are allowed to, and it doesn't go against the salary. I don't really care. Uh, it's a completely it different. It me off to tears that he's allowed to play. It annoys me so much. What is he getting paid right now at wherever the fuck he is? Should be put, it's got nothing to do with the NRL. Put on the South Sydney no Rabbitohs right. because what? they have lied to the NRL saying he no, cannot haven't. play anymore. So let's take a million dollars of the salary cap and let's sign Michelle Mitchell. That's all I'm saying. It'd be like... They, they lied. They lied to the NRL. No, they yeah. lied 100%. If he's allowed to play three In years after medical retirement... It doesn't they, matter. They can make, it does matter. No, it doesn't matter It'd because be like, he's physically able to play a top-tier nah. rugby league. He, is he physically able to play? In a right rugby? now, is he... Supposedly not. Is, <laughs> right now, is he physically able to play in a top-tier NRL competition? Rugby league competition, sorry. Rugby league competition? Yes. Is he able... So he's able to play, but he got medically retired in South Sydney, took it off the... Took it off their salary cap, his wage. Is that right? Mm-hmm. But he's allowed to play three years later. So That's they lied. Time, but yes. Doesn't matter. Did they lie? No. Well, did they say that he cannot physically play anymore? That's the definition you're, of medical retirement. You're no, no, he did, no, hold up, hold up. Companies. Did, did South Sydney say yeah, South Sydney to the did. that they so they did. And then yeah. he turned around and was able to play in a tier one competition again he's not playing in america he's playing in england it's a tier one and they're saying that oh that's all fine who's saying it's all fine everyone like i love that he's back it's awesome he's back he's i great don't get player. your argument that they lied it'd literally be like me as a teacher educating queensland saying you're not fit to teach for us anymore and me going to teach for catholic ed mm-hmm it's, it's exactly the same. Right. No, no, it's big, no. Do you know how there's a difference? The NRL didn't tell Greg Inglis. Greg Inglis told the NRL with his doctors. There's a massive difference there. 
The doctors okay. told the NRL he's medically cleared. So if your psychologist or whatever the reason you are can't medically mm-hmm. teach, told your education Queensland that yeah. you had you are two years into a contract mm-hmm. and you can't physically can't do that mentally anymore, yeah. and then turned around and go and sign a five year contract for double the money. That's lying. If the circumstances are the same, if it's oh, a workload that doesn't he put lied. Much stress on me, he lied. Hundred percent lied. Nah, <laughs> and it's got nothing to do with the play. It's up to the club and the doctors. But there's nothing <sighs> with what he's doing. Players have done it a hundred times. It'll continue to happen a hundred times, and I believe yes. If you medically retire at some point in your career. But three years later, without the imp, well, it's not been three, it's been like about two. Okay, so if you retire, yeah, from no, let me finish. When if you're, you're not 65, under the physical impact and all that sort of stuff, and your body actually has a chance to heal like it never has before, then yes, there is a chance that then, you can down the track. Like Brett Morris is going to heal, and there's a chance that he could come back and play in two years. Brett Morris will not. Go, I'm going to retire, then come back. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that if you have the time, you no, allow yourself to there get There is it. no justification for what's going on. I reckon that whatever he pay, it was the rest of his contract at South Sydney, should be put on their salary cap right now. Why? They got they were paying nothing for Latrell. It didn't impact their... No, I don't care. There's nothing to do with Latrell. What I'm saying is that what was paid was supposed to be paid for him outside of, uh, for the rest of his contract should be put on their salary cap now because he's able to play now. I think that's a bit sour grace. Because it? it got removed and there's no way that they'd be able to sign because Latrell, yes, the first year he was paid unders. Next year he was paid more. Now there's no way that if he, what happened at South Sydney um, was the same thing that happened at Manly to you, they would have mm-hmm. Jai Arrow in their team. They would have um, because he got out of the like a two or three year contract. They wouldn't have Jai Arrow. They wouldn't have Latrell for as much as what he's on. They probably wouldn't have that backline they've got right now. They wouldn't have been an upgrade Cody Walker. So whatever. I think you're also forgetting Sam Burgess, but anyway, um, it's fine. Completely different system. It was awesome to see him play and. Um, hmm. It Can't was. wait for those same media people to talk about Origin. Um, Quit Tap was back on the weekend, but as of course our officials, because they over-officiate everything, brought it back and Ansley came out and said, look, another thing that we got wrong that you should have let go because it's in the rules. We just haven't seen it for like 10 years and you brought it back for no reason. Uh, this was Nico Hines taking a quick tap. Um, ran straight through the defensive line of Sharks to score and the ref brought it back saying you can't take it because you didn't tap it on the mark. Replay showed he was exactly on the mark. It was just the ref wasn't ready because the defense wasn't back 10 and it's got nothing to do with the defense. If you get a penalty and you're you're well within your rights as the attacking player to tap and go whenever you like. Um, nice to see Nico Hines actually do it. I wish the refs were up to speed with how the game and the rules are set in stone um hopefully it means we may see the quick tap come back into play because i don't think i've seen one in almost 
I can't. I literally can't remember. Oh, Jaffo and um, Munster tried all the time. Sometimes they get away with it. Last year, Tedesco did it to Newcastle. Tedesco got a try out of it last year against Newcastle. They're like, it's just like the referees are asking what happened on my watch. You're like, oh, fuck, just let him. Um, <laughs> Manu Vadavai, international drug lord. Oh, this was supp- one of the allegedly. Saddest, I know, allegedly. This is one of the saddest, most surprising things I've ever seen in rugby league. Uh, Manu Vadavai, the beast, uh, one of the most loved icons of rugby league. Looks as though his post-rugby league life isn't going as um, positively as it can. So this is still all alleged, but there was an unnamed New Zealand sports person who had been, or an unidentified, sorry, New Zealand sports person that had been bringing methamphetamines into New Zealand. And... Manu Vadavai came out, I believe, on his Instagram telling his fans that um, he's the unidentified sports person that is the target of these allegations, uh, as well as two other people. So he will be going to court. Um, he is denying the, the charges. <sighs> this is a really messy, scary situation. Uh, if he is involved even in a, in a minimal way the penalties for this they've already mentioned that it's a, a lifetime imprisonment in New Zealand under their laws if he's the main person involved in this so really surprising really sad sort of story to see even at this stage um, being caught up in anything like this so he is hoping he has nothing to do with it and mistaken identity or whatever it is, but for it to get to this sort of level is a scary situation. Yeah, let's just let this flow and flow out. It could. I just couldn't believe what I was reading when I saw it. Just going, whoa. Um, yeah. All right, signing news. Rocco Berry, New Zealand Warriors center, uh, played his second NRL game this week. Um, scoring his first try as well. He's been locked in for a three-year deal already uh, in New Zealand. So the end of 2024 after playing two NRL games. And that's quite a long uh, deal for someone who's played two NRL games, let alone seven rugby league games. So Rocco Berry was a rugby union superstar coming through the lower grades in New Zealand. His father... Uh, was an all-black as well. And the Warriors obviously doing everything they can to ensure that Rocco Berry stays in the NRL. And regardless of his talent, um, that's an awesome name. And we need some more awesome names in the NRL. <laughs> that Rocco is staying. Uh, Cody Nicarima is recommitted to the Warriors by agreeing to stay with the club uh, till the end of the 2022 NRL season. And we mentioned the Bulldogs have continue the rebuild with the signing of Penrith centre Brent Naden on a two-year deal. And I watched the Penrith uh, Blacktown Workers New South Wales Cup game before the Manly Penrith game. Man, he looked good when he was in the clear. He has such a uh, young Greg English sort of running style, the very upright, long-legged, long stride, so smooth across the the grass and I was watching this game and it was an absolute towel up by Penrith over Manly Blacktown and 
uh, uh, the Manly Club's worst, worst team. But I was looking at the Manly wingers, George Tafur on one wing, Tim Simona on the other wing. So he's continuing his comeback in rugby league. I don't know when his NRL band finishes, but he's, uh, he's playing New South Wales Cup at the moment. And yeah, that, that, that Penrith squad was, was crazy good. Um, we talked about Jake, Jake Simpkin, didn't we? Uh, yep. contract soon to come down to end of 2024. So going into signing rumors. So Daily Cherry Evans' name got thrown out on I think it was 360 by Paul Kent, rah rah rah, about moving to Brisbane. Um story coming out of Manly today is that he's about to be offered an extension. Uh his one million dollar a season contract runs out at the end of next season and it looks as though Manly's going to be offering him a two-year extension to finish his career as a one-club player which is awesome if you're a Seagulls fan because we've seen over this season and last he still has a lot to offer and there are some very talented playmakers coming through the Manly ranks. Manes Finau's younger brother uh, being the most highly touted and him and Schuster may be a young halves combination, but they're still a little while away. So Cherry Evans staying around would be a good thing for Manly. Adam Reynolds' side continues looking like Sharks will be the favourites to sign him. Uh, Fitzgibbon, Craig Fitzgibbon, the new Cronulla coach for next season, has said his dream halves pairing, if he can pull it off, would be Sean Johnson and Adam Reynolds which is pretty much as close to what Reynolds is playing in at the moment. And off the cuff, 5'8 in Sean Johnson. Um, Someone who's better. Uh, uh, similar with Cody Walker and him as the controlling half. So that would be a, a very good fit, I'd say, for all parties if that uh, comes off there. But keep an eye on that. And Katoni Staggs, it looks as though Parramatta are out of the race to sign the Tony Staggs. So I think that's down to now Brisbane and Gold Coast being the most uh, added and in the press clubs, but there are still others believed to be circling or involved in at least discussions rather than negotiations. Yeah, so supposedly Newcastle. I wouldn't say that there'd even be in negotiations with him, but supposedly they're talking about him behind closed doors. Man, I that's really sounds pretty good for Newcastle. I doubt it. To be honest, I don't think they'd have the or salary cap room to bring someone who wants to play five eight for them there. Um, but just wait and see. Mm, we will. All right. I think that's everything to do with off the field news. We'll be back after this very quick break with a roundup of the many many injuries from this round and also the suspension and charges in our hard hits category. So we might start with suspensions this week, I think, because there's less of them uh, compared to the injuries by quite a lot. So we're starting... Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> sorry, there's <laughs> one more potential signing that has been actually oh. talked about the person signing. Sorry. It was... Um, there's a new potential coaching... Um, team at Samoa. For oh, Samoa yes. Internet. All right. Yeah. yeah. So this was actually brought up on his show and he's saying he'd be interested um, because Matt Parrish is the current Samoan coach, but Matthew Johns, Andrew Johns, and I'd say he'd just be a 
consultant or someone, Sonny Bill Williams, have all talked about potentially coaching Samoa for free moving forward. That would be the most, how do I explain it, free-flowing team yes. in the NRL, uh, in the international football, sorry. Like, that would just be, that would just pass the ball around all day. It would just be... Don't defend. <laughs> yeah. No, but Andrew it would Johnson's be cool a pretty good defensive half. Yeah, but um, he's, he, yeah. But it'd be pretty cool if it did happen. Sorry. Yes, it'd Sorry be cooler than Lego. Uh, West <laughs> Tommy Talao could be out for two matches after he cited by the match review for a shoulder charge. <sighs> shoulder charge. Uh, again, hard the ban if he submits an early guilty plea. Cohen Hess uh, was the only other player charged from Sunday's matches, facing a fine of between $1,350 and $1,800 for dangerous contact on Reese Walsh. Satili Torpanila has accepted a one-week ban over oh, over a shoulder charge offence. If that's what I think that they're talking about, that's pathetic. Yeah, that hit on Connor Watson. Yeah, it's crap. Crap. Um, Matty Gavalu submitted an early guilty plea for dangerous conduct. Matt Burton and Bulldogs are also lower. They're in the wallet, 1150 and 750 each. Broncos Fords and Jordan Ricky and Matt Lodge have cop fines of 1350 and 11.50 after the melee in the final minute of their match against the Gold Coast Titans, which turned out to be an absolutely awesome game to watch uh, after what looked like it was going to be a belting early on, but we'll get to that in a second. So pretty uh, unexciting week at the judiciary for once, which is nice. Unfortunately, it can't be the same in injuries. So I guess we can start with some good news. Adam Reynolds has avoided surgery on his thumb ligaments or thumb injury. And it was looking at a six-week layoff, which would have put South's season um, on, the, on the back foot if you add on the other injuries as well that they'll be dealing with. There's even the chance that he'll take the field this week against Melbourne. Cameron Murray ankle and Campbell Graham broken hand are both out for the next month to add on to Latrell Mitchell's suspension. So Rabbitohs are going to be doing some shuffling there. Um, Murray has also avoided going under the knife. It's a grade two syndesmosis injury. Um, he won't play NRL before Origin squad. Origin one squad is named. Uh, Jackson Paulo will undergo an operation this week on his wrist. So South Sydney's backline stock's taking a bit of hit at the moment. Six to eight uh, yeah. for Jackson. But they've still got a million people to, to roll yes. onto the field. The upside, Braden Burns made a comeback this week, so that will help them out. Sharks prop, Braden Hamanuela is set to miss the next eight weeks with an ankle injury. Um, That's a loss. hasn't played again this season and has been playing New South Wales Cup. So it'll be interesting to see if he's named uh, tomorrow. Corey Thompson will require surgery on a syndesmosis injury and will miss at least eight weeks. Now that's a big blow for the Titans. He was starting to be talked about in the Queensland Origin squad, not so much the team, but the squad. He's been absolutely on fire and one of the most exciting players to watch. Um, big blow for the Titans. Uh, Zach Lomax suffered a dislocated thumb on Sunday. Um, he did leave the field even after having the thumb strapped. 
and didn't come back on. Uh, Cody Ramsey suffering a rib damage injury. And you add this on to Jordan Pereira and Ravalawa also missing due to suspension for the next couple of weeks. And St. George are going to look pretty thin in their back line next week as well. Ben Murdoch was still will undergo HIA protocols after a head knock. Ben Hampton will need scans on Monday for a possible pec injury. Nathan Brown left the field with a suspected hip pointer injury. That did not look good, him trying to play on. He was oh. in a lot of pain. If anyone's hit their hip on anything, um, I hit mine on a desk at work last week and it hurt, let alone NRL-level impact. Dylan Napa, <laughs> um, <laughs> I know, uh, did not play due to a shoulder injury, picked up in the warm-up. Oh, sorry, not in the warm-up, in the same game. Kurt Catewell suffered a rib injury. Uh, Martin Power left the field late in that game with a HIA. <gasps> Josh Papali may be rested for a second week. Um, positive news on injuries for George Jennings, George George Williams, Josh Hodson, Jared Croker for the Raiders. They should be back all next week. Sebastian Chris is still awaiting full scans on a feared syndesmosis injury that prevent him from finishing the Rabbitohs match. So he'll be unlikely to play next week. I know there's a lot there. I, my advice would be check your club's page because there were injuries all over the place. I have a feeling that there were even some that weren't even listed just there that was a shorter list than um, I'd seen elsewhere. But the big ones there, Corey Thompson out for eight weeks, Zach Lomax, not sure timeline yet. And the backline injuries there for the Rabbitohs. And obviously on top of that, we mentioned earlier, Brett Morris and Lindsay Collins, both with ACL ruptures. So Queensland's Ford Sox and Roosters Ford Sox take a hit with Lindsay Collins and obviously Brett Morris. Uh out for the season so that's massive he's been just so consistent and solid for the last two years it's great but in saying that too both of them them, but in saying that too for Lindsay Collins um it's not a bad thing to have Takiyoho and Maria Hargraves on the bench Mm. because they can just rotate them straight in and I'd know who they bring onto the bench other than that, but it, it's it's not bad. Yeah, they've had Daniel Fafita play a couple of games this year. Egan uh, Butch is still there. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, um, there's a few players playing reserve grade that could be playing NRL. Like Scott Sorensen comes to mind. He seems like a kind of guy who, if he went to the Brewsters or something, he'd just excel. Because he's not getting to, getting to run at Pembroke right now. Joe Stimson, man. Every week. Joe Stimson. Yeah, there you go. There's another one. All right. We'll be back with our wrap-up of the Round 8 games. Yes, there are actually games this weekend uh, outside of all the other topics. And we'll also cover uh, the footy tipping. So I forgot to do that start, but we'll do that start of the analysis. All right. So tips from Round 8. Um, I went out on a bit of a limb, did not pay off. And I did say on the show last week that I tipped Manly. So Jared took that note down. And then when I went to the footytips.com.au competition, the 6CN podcast footy tipping competition, I did tip Penrith. Penrith, sorry. So I got five on that one, but I got four on the podcast one against Jared. So I think my lead's down to only like eight or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't so know. Wrong, I hope but... you're counting out to it. All right. So <laughs> over on footytips.com.au, there are a number of people who got six this round that was the highest score so a couple of upsets here uh 
preventing people from getting the full round. So we had the West Tigers over the Dragons uh, seemed to be the most common one. And also the Cowboys versus Warriors was a bit of 50-50 split down the middle. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who the fuck picked Gold Coast? Uh, Broncos to beat the Gold Coast. Oh, yeah, sorry. And that one too. That was probably <laughs> the other one there. Um, so there was uh, eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, not ten. Ten people got six. Uh, so I'm not going to read out all the names on that one. Um, but the total score so far, Drum Kelly picks up. He, he, he she is still leading the way on 53 points. Methodical flamethrower on 51. And Belly Bulldogs in from the cold and the underscore irk are all on 50. So they take up, they make up, sorry, the top three. Uh, representing the 6 Gun podcast, Beaver Reader 11 on 47 points. And Jared actually got his tips in this week and got, no, he didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, he got the worst minus one. So he got four points. So he's on a good old 28 and bringing up the rear of the field. On the streak, I'm actually winning a comp for once. My current streak is six in a row. I had the Eels, the Storm, and the Roosters this round, last round. I took the the Givens. Um, so I'm on the longest current winning streak of six. So jump over on the winning streak, jump over on the streak as well. So that continues on. All right. So the round eight results going back to Thursday night down in Canberra. And, oh, man, the most brutal tweet uh, from the weekend um, was the Rabbitohs jumped on uh, Canberra Twitter and made fun of them blowing the Viking horn before the game. And Rabbitohs going, looking forward to seeing this saxophone again, uh, same as last year, blah, 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 talking about them blowing the horn. And Raiders saying, talking about last year, like your prelim, but like you guys being knocked out in the prelim the last two years. Talk about consistency. And <laughs> it was such a good fight back there from the Raiders seeing that. I love it when the clubs go at each other. Um, Rabbitohs, yeah, 34-20 victors over the Raiders. Not a lot went right for the Raiders during this game. Um, Rapana getting across the stripe twice. Uh, they did actually get up early on. Um, oh, I think, Raiders, I think the biggest thing was... Time, 16, 14, sorry. I think the biggest thing was George Williams getting injured in the warm-up. Yes. That was the biggest thing for them because they lost the halfback. I will say Elliot Whitehead played well, but losing your halfback in the warm-up after you already named your 18 players Squad. is... Yeah. That's, that help. sucks. Because when you look at it, you've got the, the craftiness of... Adam Reynolds on one side, uh, and then you just had two big bodies basically in Jack White and Elliot Whitehead in the halves, who both play a very similar game, which is uh, to, yeah. To be honest, um, if anyone could rival Adam Reynolds' kicking game, would have been George Williams. Yes, and they've missed him now, so it's quite just it was, it, yeah. And he had had a couple of quiet weeks uh, until last week, um, but. I don't know, man. I feel for the Raiders fans. You, you see them get down there and they do the awesome Viking clap and they're pretty hard conditions to to get down to a home game. And they haven't been playing tremendously well at home so far this season. And they were up at halftime 16-14. Uh, but then you look at the second half, it's a 
a 20 to four whitewash and at least they scored four points in the second half this week but we know the last what four rounds now uh Raiders went three weeks in a row without scoring points in the second half and only picking up four this half and that wasn't until the 65th minute again so not not good sign by the Raiders and on top of that no Joseph Tarpany's wife jumping on social media questioning his Stewart's uh, substitutions and I hate to say it but she actually had a point because I was a bit confused with what he was doing with his uh, bench and his use of it uh, the weekend look I don't like Canberra but no way you say <laughs> no no Ricky Stewart admitted he fucked that up in yeah, the press conference yeah Joseph Tarpany, like, this is the last thing Canberra need right now. Yes. Oh, I'm not putting it on him. It's like... No, 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 but, he, like, like, seriously, she's going to get on Twitter and do that? Like... Yeah. Oh, no, that's... Not, not, like, not helping the situation. Yeah, do you reckon she's going to get in trouble? You reckon oh, she's no. the one going to get caught this? Who do you reckon is probably running out right now with doing push-ups and Ricky Stewart standing there in the middle of Canberra with a fucking hose <laughs> on him? Right now, honestly, with Ricky Stewart's reactions, do you reckon he liked one of the players' girlfriends or wives talking out of turn about him? Oh, don't, Sweet don't, Jesus. don't say talking out of turn. I, I, I honestly reckon Ricky Stewart would be one of the people who would call and talk to her himself. Um, Probably, right. but then take it out on Joe Tarpany, as I've said, 2 o'clock in the morning with a hose. No, I, don't, I reckon he'd just ignore it from, from that point on. But, yeah, not the... Um, Probably not the way to go about it. But again, like I said, she did have a point. I was kind of scratching my head going, they need some impact here. And Tarpany was literally sitting on the bench for almost a 30-something oh, no, I, I, I minute I, stretch. It was, I yeah, get it. But... See him usually making those sort of errors. Um, but go to, the, go to Ricky Stewart's office. Would it, would, would it have changed the overall outcome? No, it wouldn't have. And there was a Simbin against the Rabbitohs. There was higher amount of errors by the Rabbitohs, but they kind of didn't look like they didn't, they never looked like they were going to be out of the game. And then once they took the lead, they never looked like they were going to lose it either. Uh, Jaden Sewer had a strong game again. Alex Johnson continues to score. Um, Cody Walker, that the positional switch to fullback. It, it's it was. pretty Biggest. when you have the ability to be able to do that. Uh, at, at a club, but it's going to look different again next week. And well, next week we're talking about two, three nights from now where they take on the storm on Thursday night with no Johnson. Oh, sorry, no Johnson, no Mitchell, no Graham, no Paulo, um, possibly no Reynolds. It's going to be a very different looking team. Tell you what, the biggest thing I learned is I reckon Elliot Whitehead needs to be put into lock and play like a Tyrone Peachy because that boy can play mm-hmm. in the sixth position. He played really well. And it's not like the Raiders are hurting for edge forwards. Yeah. Um, you've got so it would be a bad idea. You've got Tori, Howera, Naira. You must have an extra, extra player in there. Well, they need to mix something on because that's what four in a row now for the Raiders. Um, they're on a I'm bit not overly worried. One, I don't like Canberra, yeah. so it's good to see I him lose. But two... Um, no bias on this podcast. <laughs> on the other hand, they're too good of a team to 
fall this hard. See, I said that two weeks ago, though, and I'm looking now. Like They have been versing quality opposition the last four weeks. They're going down to Penrith, going down to Parramatta. Uh, they went down to Cowboys in what, what turned out to be a brilliant game. That was pretty good form line, actually, because Cowboys were in that three-game win streak and then losing to the Rabbitohs. But I think the the frustrating or the worry worrying sign here for Ricky Stewart, when you've got a a team that whose strength are the forwards generally um it, it you expect to struggle to score points every now and then but you also expect to be able to keep the other team from scoring and the score line over the last four weeks 30 35 26 34 um that's a hell of a lot of points to be letting in um when you've got a a mobile aggressive, defensively sound, generally forward pack. Um, they've scored 10, 10, 24, 20. So it's not great, but it's not horrible. But yeah, the, the points that they're letting in aren't real flash. They're at home again. No, they're not. They're at Wagga Wagga next week, uh, the third of the five country games against the Knights. So I was going to say, if they have another home game down there, they're hoping to treat the, the fans to some positivity um, down there. Anyway, um, Rabbitohs keep much on. They'll be glad to get those two points in what's shaping up to be quite a tough game in round nine. First game on the Friday night saw the Storm taking on the Sharks uh, down in Amy Park. Sorry, down in Melbourne at Amy Park. Storm running out 40 to 14 winners. Now, what made this interesting? At halftime, they were down 8-6. So the second half was a 34-6 drubbing um of the sharks and it was just a points explosion in the second half and yeah the first half of this one was quite odd uh sharks were they were in the game they were frustrating melbourne they came out of the blocks hard they were controlling the game early on they just couldn't break the storm down enough to get the ball across the line uh, to make it really count. Brighton Nakora's try was running on, on a, a brilliant line and pretty much just cut straight through the the middle of what you don't see that often against the Storm, but that was their only reward. And then you look in the second half, 40 tries in the 45th, 52nd, 55th, 62, 60th, 66th, 70th, and 76th. To the Storm, Remy Smith, the hat trick, looking better and better in the Storm system each week. And he came and, out and said he's never been happier. He's the well, happiest I, he's ever been in. And I got my wish. I got my wish. We thought it was weird. Tom Eisenhuth being named in the centres. He didn't play in the centres. He came off the bench as an inner yeah. And Dean Irema, who is a Melbourne junior, played on the wing and made his debut for the club. Didn't get a try, uh, but... He was okay. He was solid in in his first game, and it was just awesome seeing that he played outside Remy Smith because uh, Remy Smith's been playing in the centre with George Jennings outside him, so not wanting to change his position. Jerome Hughes again had a really uh, a controlled a controlled game because he needed to. Cam Munster has looked a bit off his game the last couple of weeks, and his goal kicking didn't. Left a lot to be. Oh, I love what Christian Welch said. Run. Yes. I, I love what Christian Welch said. He came <laughs> out and said, mate, he's on a million dollars a year. You think he'd put something between the sticks? I reckon she'd be oh. dumped and fired. 
It was absolutely oh, fantastic. Um, yeah. Do you know what stuck out the most for me? Like, if Pappenhausen wasn't around, Nico Hines at a full-time fullback is not a bad thing. Oh, man. He's, like, <laughs> he's good. Yeah, he was absolutely killing it this game. He's been killing it for the last couple of weeks. And he's just going to be, like, is this going to be slot straight back in utility? Walk around and you'll be fine. Oh, the, bo- um, the ball he popped to uh, Remy Smith for his first try was brilliant. Just yeah. soft little hands, had him straight through the line, untouched. As soon as Pappenhausen was out, I missed out on getting him in my fantasy side. I picked up Nico Hines straight away and have not regretted it because yeah, he's... We, we talked about what he doesn't have in the speed of Pappenhausen. He has everything else. He has the size. He's good under the high ball. He's a better um, ball player. Um, he's sound defensively. He's good at posi- – his fullback's his main position, so it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, yeah. I was going to say – the pre-game interviews for this were, were so good on Fox because Will Chambers made his NRL return. And of course, how things go, it was for the club that he had so many sledges for uh, when he was at Melbourne. And then he's making his return at Melbourne. And the, the pre-game interviews had him and Cam Munster, and that was funny as all hell. And he said it was the most nervous he has been for a rugby league game he could remember. He said it felt like a state of origin game sort of level for him. Not just being back, but obviously being back against Melbourne, uh, the only club he'd played for and being down in in Melbourne. And he's, he went missing the second half as pretty much all of Cronulla did, but his first half was really solid. He, he led some kick chases. He forced some, um, he forced a touching goal. He looked quite quick, actually. I never thought of Will Chambers as the fastest guy, but he looked fit and fast. And he's a very emotional character. And you could see that in the interview beforehand. I think he just wanted to get out there and have a run and get the tackles and get himself back into the game. So the the funniest part of this was actually Craig Bellamy. Because um, before he even saw with Cronulla... Um, Will Chambers actually got Craig Bellamy's permission to do it. He sat down one-on-one with him and go, I need to do this, yada, yada, for my family, whatever. After, obviously, I'm guessing he asked if he'd come back to Melbourne, which Craig Bellamy said no to. But, <laughs> and Craig Bellamy done the old, he explained what Will Chambers did and all that kind of stuff. Then he turned around and goes, the only preparation I've done for Will Chambers this week because we all know what he can do. So all the players understood was actually get 17 players at earplugs. Earplugs. <laughs> because he just talks shit the entire time. And they reckon he, he throws some of the best chat out in the NRL. Yeah. But um, that's what Craig Pellman, because he warned these players, the younger ones especially, that whatever you got going on, he'll call you on it. So that's yeah. pretty good. Nice to know a player does his research. And um, talking about, uh, I think the Rabbitohs and the Roosters talking about their, their depth. How's this for the Storm? So they were missing uh, Nelson Asafa-Solomona and he's been one of the, the forwards in their lock prop rotations. So what did they do? They started Harry Grant 
this is the first game he's ever started for the Melbourne Storm. And the timeline of this player is, is so weird because he played the whole season for Tigers last year, which allowed him to start Brendan Smith at lock. And while the points didn't get on, get on the board in the first half, it looks so good. Just having Brendan Smith just roll forward as that lock and Harry Even Grant better lock. around the rock. Yeah, oh, yeah. And doing his thing around the rock. It was um, real good. I called out Brighton Accor on the weekend. He's um, I was a big fan of him when he came in, but I made that remark. He's turned into a pretty boy. I think it's the third week in a row he stayed down um, trying to milk a penalty. And I'm like, man, you are way too talented to be pulling this sort of bullshit in your game. Get up and play the ball and just let your talent take care of it take care of everything else. Um, yeah, I hate seeing that in with these sort of players, especially when they don't need to. And it's mm, not cool, man, not cool. <laughs> um, second game on Friday, which turned into like match of the round. Oh, I expected Titans to win this game and I expected them to win it well. And they're up 22-0 after 14 minutes yeah and i was watching this go oh, man this is fun to watch and man the broncos defense is bad and i'd, I'd come around to um jared thinking from like three weeks back now about the issues with the titans defense and i was thinking you know what you don't have to defend if you just keep scoring and that's kind of what they were doing and then the first two goes Broncos had literally the first two goes they had down the Titans and they scored the first four goes the Titans had in Broncos and they scored and watching this going, wow, this could be anything. So after being up 22 nil after 14 minutes at halftime, it was 22 all. And I was watching this going, man, this is so weird. I have no idea what's going on here, but literally going into halftime going, Titans look like they're in a bit of trouble because they're up 22-0, but David Fafita touched the ball four times in the whole first half. Going off the back of his two-touch two effort against the Rabbitohs, they're going, oh, what's going on here? Jermaine Asako, best game he's played, period. He was good in um, support play. He was good at ball playing. Um, positionally, he was really good. Ended up with a two tries, tries, oh, two try assists, five conversions, and a penalty goal. Uh, was all over the place, and Broncos just ripped into pieces pretty much um, after being down twenty two nil. This whole game was back and forth. It was open, um, end to end tries, skill play everywhere. No defense to be seen by either team. Yeah, it was a touch game. Yeah, I loved it. It was I, I am more defensive minded, so I fucking hated it. I That's honestly why, like sorry? So am I generally, but when uh, you like the English Super League where it's just so much more free flowing. That's why you prefer it over the NRL. Well, I was about to say the best game I watched over the weekend was um Hell KR versus yeah. Wigan because I was watching this going, wow. This is what rugby league used to be. It was <laughs> nice and slow. There was, one, um, there was normal rules. I was like, oh, I miss this. Th- this is, despite how entertaining, because my my partner's family actually went to this. So my father-in-law, brother-in-law and all that. 
going being at the game, it would have been awesome to watch. At the game. You look at it from a coach's perspective, you would have been banging your head against a wall oh, the yeah. entire time. <laughs> like if you're Gold Coast, if you're Justin Holbrook, you're sitting there, okay, yeah, guys, come on. You're up 22 nil. 15 minutes, just relax. Go back to our structures. Oh, bang. Jermaine Sarko. Guys, tackle him. Please tackle him. Someone do something. Someone like, tackle someone. Yeah. Be it's careful just they got the like, ball or not. You can score 45,000 points, but as the other team scores 45,001, it's useless to you. So, and that's what Justin Holbrook would have been dealing with um, coming out of this, that he, he knows his team can... Um, Definitely score, but they can't defend against probably the worst attacking team in the competition. Imagine scoring 30 points and 28 points and losing both games. Oh, Jesus. They've got a lot of issues. And as Adam said, I said this when they flogged Newcastle. They're defensive on their edges, especially. I just, there's no communication at all. And if you're a Bulldog supporter, a Broncos supporter, don't get too happy about this either because, yeah, you won. But Kevin Walters is having the same fucking problems with Justin Holbrook. Yes. Because <laughs> I, I remember sitting on here what, a week ago saying, you know what, I don't, don't hope a lot, but things might actually be pointing up a little bit at the Broncos. And then <laughs> I'm watching the first bit of this game, they're down 22-0 going. I yeah. said, now? What, why, 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 why was I thinking? Look, when I, and the second half came on. I was like, okay, there we go. Yeah, no, look, they won. Yeah. Take the fact you won and walk away very slowly without throwing anything else out, okay? We won and walk away because there's nothing that comes out of this game that you guys should be. Maybe Tyson Gamble because he's actually having a crack, but there's not much else. I I liked... uh, I think every time I see Corey Oates in space, like he got the... Winger's try kind of remind me of the his grand final try where he got the the ball at, and why now no one in front just ran the whole field. I'm kept going. He wanted to be second row, like man, yeah. you're this big with this much pace. Just just play. AJ Brimson had a, a it was a really good game actually for both fullbacks uh, overall with regards to involvement. Yeah, if if you like free flowing footy and points all over the board, this was the game for you uh, of the weekend. Um, the first game on Saturday. So out in Bathurst, we had Penrith versus Seagulls. And unfortunately for the Seagulls, this game was over pretty quick. It was a good turnout out there at Bathurst. I know a lot of people from Sydney drove out for it as well. Uh, Penrith ran away with this one, 28 to 16. And it was based off another mammoth effort by Brian Tuo and his meter-eating legs that he has under him at the moment. Uh, Dylan Edwards, uh, Brian Tuo both getting across the line early on, uh, nine to twelve, and it kind of set the the platform for the game. Uh, with Penrith going in at halftime sixteen six, and then winning the second half twelve ten. So Manly came back and really made a fist of it in the second half after Desert Spray at halftime, and it showed how much how far the Seagulls have come. Uh, remembering that earlier in this year, Penrith beat the Seagulls 46-6 at Brookvale. It was Manly's heaviest ever defeat at Brookvale in the, the history of the NRL. 
and to change a 40-point defeat down to a 12-point defeat shows how far the Seagulls have improved, but also how far they are still away from the top, top teams. And Penrith had it their way early in this game, and they once they got in front, they controlled it, uh, despite Manly's fight back. And, yeah, you just, I, I just couldn't help but be impressed by Penrith's display all over the field. Brian Tuo, I said already, um, Nathan Cleary, again, just controlled things. Some of his touches, his little uh, pass to uh, Liam Martin to score his try was really nice. Um, inside ball to Kurt Catewell, where he almost got across the line as well. Yeah, yeah. No, nothing much more to say. Tom Trebojevic, Tom Trebojevic and Cherry Evans both, again, had good games. Jason Saab's getting his way into it. Still got the mistakes in his game, but it's good to see him getting more and more involved. Um, Manly's trending still in the right dis- direction despite the loss, but Penrith are, are, are at least a couple of gears above still. Um, so when Trebojevic came out, came back in, he, he played against Gold Coast, wasn't that? Um, I mentioned yeah, then, yeah, when he ran that, got that 20-meter try, he didn't look as clean running um, when he got that. This this runaway try got, that was what Trevojevic actually looks like when he runs. If you yeah. compare, the first one looked a bit held back a little bit. This as one, it. it I was like, oh, there he is. Yeah. It, it looked good. Um, yeah. There's your, new South, much you, there's your New South Wales center right there. <laughs> Oh, hundred. He's oh, look. I, I wouldn't hate him on the wing, to be honest. Um, but I'm sure he get. A, he's going to get a run somewhere. Look, if Tedesco's out for a concussion, just throw it to Voivich. Everyone's going to be like, yeah, okay, okay. Um, what if you, yeah, if you've got Pappenhausen and Trebojevic and Tedesco, Trebojevic. Yeah, me too. Trebojevic. You need all three in the team, but the reality of it is that while Tedesco is the best fullback in the world. Travojevic and Pappenhausen can play multiple positions. Tedesco can't. Mm. That's the only, it's like the only thing about it. And it's you're not losing anything because Tedesco is the best fullback in the world. So it's not like he's yeah, he's very good at what he does. The other this two is completely at- on a different tangent now to this game, but Travojevic on the wing with Pappenhausen at fullback or Travojevic at fullback and Pappenhausen. Trebojevic on the bench. Yeah, okay, me too. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, there's nothing much more. Pembroke just keep doing what they do. Um, they they've got to win a premiership in this window. That's the only thing. Like true. Like Brian Toto ran ran for the most meters for the Pembroke squad for the last seven weeks. They've got to win a premiership in this window because this is like golden form for them that they're not looking like losing. But there's no way they can keep to that standard for for another year. Like, if they lose it this year, the way they're playing, it's theirs to lose. Um, the way they're playing, I don't think they can keep up this standard next year as well. Because despite all that, if you, with their team, like, I'm not saying this is the reason but they've been very lucky with injury for the last 18 months. Like their core has... Their, their oh, it's a massive reason. Don't, don't be afraid yeah. of saying no, this well, is I'm the not, reason. 
No, it's well, a reason. I agree. I, I'm not. I'm not putting them down because of this happened. It's just. It's just good for them that it has happened. Mm. I'm not saying like I'm not trying to go. Oh, this is like they're just being lucky. They're just doing that. What I'm saying is that I'm hoping that the full main they can keep it up, but they can't lose this season's grand final because there's no way in hell that luck or that form can sustain another year. Because they played well this well um, this well last year, and they got beaten by Melbourne in the grand final, and I'm hoping they learn from that. But they've started so well this year um, that they've got to keep it up for another what twenty weeks mm. to win the grand final, and that's going to be the biggest challenge for them keeping to this standard. Yeah, period. and Jared's point there is legit. If you look back at the premiership winners of the last 10 years and you look at the injuries that they've had through the year, it's minimal compared to the the majority of their challenges. And it, it is. It, ha- it is always a factor in the grand finalist or the grand final winner, or at least, the yeah, usually the top two, that they've got the least amount of injuries. Um, talk about the premiership window. The upside for Penrith, I also believe that the standard that they've set last year and this year is very hard to consistently uh, continue to reach that level. But say they don't get it this year and say they have a down year next year, they've got enough of these young guys for their window to be open for still another three. Well, see, but that's it is going to be more difficult. The difference no, no, is... See, that's my point as well. This is why this year is so important for them. Yeah, because it's something going to get harder from here. Well, no, Cleary's going to be Australian halfback when Cherry retires. Mm-hmm. Um, he's pushing for it right now. Technically, he's probably in better form, but because Cherry's got the runs on the board, he's currently yeah. the captain slash vice captain. Um, next contract rolls around. These guys are going to play for New South Wales soon. Yeah, that's the big thing. So this is why it's so important this year because they're all well under the cap. Next time they roll around, there is going to be so they're going to walk up and go, Mate, I've done this, I've done this. Mm. Brian Toho is going to demand at least three to four hundred thousand dollars more. And unless these guys are going to sit there and go, We'll play unders to keep this team together, which I wouldn't be surprised because they've been playing each other since playing with each other since yeah. they're what in utero. Um, <laughs> despite all that, um, they've if they don't do it this year. The salary cap's going to squeeze them out next year. Yeah. Like, look at Bulldogs. They're raiding them every two seconds. And that's what you do. You raid the clubs yeah. like Pembroke, who has such a good junior base because they can, they're can they producing players left, right, and center. It, it happened to Melbourne. Inglis had to leave. It happened to Manly. Um, exactly. But Melbourne that's, that's also left. the point as well. Is Cleary the same level as Hasler and Bellamy? And Hasler wouldn't even be on that level either because he back-ended you and you guys got fucked yeah, up. Yeah, we got screwed. Um, so that's that's the big question. Like right now, they're playing amazing. Their form is incredible. Um, but this is it. This is their year, and if they have to win it this year, otherwise, keeping to that standard for that period of time, they would be in the same heights as Melbourne. And you got to ask, can they do it? Um, going back to the game, talking about uh, Man- Manly from a, a forty-point defeat to a twelve-point. If you got the time, jump on the team stats page and you look through the stats and it is 
even pretty much across the board for this entire game. Manly lead just as many categories as Penrith do. Uh, the, the ones where the big differences are, line breaks four to two, Penrith, and tackle breaks 35-28. Uh, so a seven difference there. But outside of that, it, it, is a, it was a pretty even game and it made that the start had all the impact because they were up 10-0 pretty much smack off the bat and, and that made the difference in this game. So credit to, um, credit to Penrith for getting the runs on the board there and, and credit to Bathurst for putting on another awesome, uh, awesome weekend. It looked and, and um, the atmosphere felt like a carnival atmosphere and that's what the commentators got across as well. Uh, second game on the Saturday, Parramatta 32 over the Bulldogs 10. Bulldogs come back oh. to after their win last week. Uh, Parramatta continue on what they've been doing. Clinton Gutherson had a blinder. I'll let Jared run with this one. I missed this game. I would go back and watch the the mini on KO. Uh, but I think um, okay. the games you watch full on the weekend, Jared. Yeah, okay. So Bulldogs came back from their... Um, 18-12 win over the Sharks the week before where the Sharks lost six opportunities. Parramatta were just in control of this for 95% of the game. Like, Jake Averillo's try, while awesome, didn't even have a dent in what Parramatta were doing. It was just... Yeah, Parramatta were just... This is the best I've seen Parramatta play because... For the last couple of years, they've been very, very good, but they lose patches throughout the game against some lower teams. Um, this game, they didn't. They were so strong throughout the whole period that it was just... Um, it, it, I was actually really p- proud of Parramatta during this game just because they were able to do that. Um, you know, Bulldogs came out in the second half and tr- done two quick tries and Parramatta just went, okay, everyone reset and they just took control again. And it was really good to see. So um, you're proud of a top eight team playing 80 minutes. Well, it's not what they're known for. They really are. That's that's the crazy thing. Yeah. Like Gufferson obviously played really well. Um, Mitch Moses. Mitch Moses. Yeah, he, he did. Just but a contract I, talk around can always be a distraction. Yeah. Um, I thought, like, see, the Bulldogs didn't really put up a fight. Like, the Ford pack got smacked around. Um, and despite Nathan Brown getting injured, like, if Nathan Brown got injured when he did against the top, like, a higher-end team, you're like, oh, shit, there goes their middle. Bulldogs didn't capitalise at all throughout on the middle, um, at all, and yeah, that Kyle Flanagan's struggling. He really is. He didn't yeah. play well at all. Poor guy. He's getting beaten up every. There's no protection on him on kicks. You know, he's got less time than he did last year. He's just um, he's there to hold hold on, and I. Hold them together, and he's really struggling with that. On the other hand, you got Nick Kotrick, who was bought in for a lot of money um, to be the crown jewel of this Bulldogs attack, and he has done. He's he's actually been very underwhelming this year. He hasn't done too much. He started off in the centres, 
which he was bought to play. And then he got moved um, back to the wing for Jake Avarillo, I think. Who played in the centers this week? Uh, Corey. Um, yeah, Corey Allen and Hopper Wade, which walking into this year, Corey Allen was not a center either. It's just, yeah. It's kind of a pullback um, for this like, year. Their recruitment was good this year, but they're, they're not there yet at all. No. Um, the, the, the players they bought for this year aren't stepping up. Um, Adam Elliott had a crap game. Like he dropped the ball over the place. He he was running lines that weren't there. They're gonna have a very long year, this Bulldogs team. Yeah, I think like everyone was amping up their recruitment. I think I said, Oh yeah, they've probably done enough to improve two positions on the ladder. And I think they finished what second last. So yeah. they're around the same thing there. Um my favorite thing of that whole game was the the shot on um Oh, Ava Seaman Fanangai yeah, on guy. Sean Lane. Oh, yeah. And, and you know what? He, he, he looked great. Dude. It looked great. He pumped the Bulldogs up. Two tackles later, they were doing a they drop scored. out. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. drop out. Drop out. And, look, and that's it's the Bulldogs all over. They get a bit of momentum, and two tackles later, they ruin it. So, so talking um, about Paul Flanagan, again, that's a great segue into the next game, which is the Roosters 38 over the 94. <laughs> And we questioned at the start of the year, like we, we, we felt Kyle Flanning had got a raw deal. I still think he did get a raw deal, but yeah, we kept hearing this talk about the uh, Lock and Land, the Sam Walker, and um, Adam Kieran. Yeah, and there, I, was a, I thought there was another young one. Um, oh man, these guys better, will, will have to be pretty good considering they're getting rid of Cole Flanagan this quick after a season and you're starting to see it now going, oh, yeah, yeah, right. But, yeah, and that Cole Flanagan's still definitely NRL quality. He's just in, he's just in the, the, the worst. He's, he's just got no one around him. Too. Uh, this was a huge, oh, man. Oh, I don't think I've ever said this and actually meant it, but I feel for night supporters at the moment because <laughs> they pack out that stadium every home game and I think I've watched every night's home game this year um, just because I know it's going to be a good atmosphere to watch the game because the crowd always rocks up and they're vocal it was like so quiet in that state yeah. and um, I swear Newcastle is saving their worst efforts for when they're at home in front of their crowd yeah um, outside of Musgrove like well the fact that they kept kicking to Daniel Tupro's wing yeah, I, I don't understand that. when they're up. He's up against Stafford Toa, and Braden Musgrove is up against Matt Ikevalu. Ikevalu, yeah, yeah. I, that was. I didn't get um, Okay, uh, how many tackles Newcastle. did Sam Walker have to make? Because I oh, feel no. like he didn't have to do any defense. Nah, for for Newcastle, um, <laughs> this <laughs> this will be good. Adam O'Brien's trying to clone Melbourne from what they were for the last 20 years. And despite the score, score line that Bruce has put on Newcastle, if you look at the other games throughout the year, their defensive effort hasn't been too bad. Like they, they held Pembroke on for the last, till the last 15 minutes. Um, they do all right defensively and their ball control is good because they get between... 75 and 100% in their ball control every single week. So it's not, it's not overly bad. 
the part that he isn't picking up on that Melbourne or the team isn't able to do skill-wise that Melbourne were able to do was their attack. Because their attack is horrible. They give it a Ponga or best. Every team knows it's coming. So that is jam best. Ponga gives him ball and he's like catching the ball with like four people around him. Yeah. And they're defending. You give him early ball or have someone else around him um, to to help. Ponga's trying his heart out every game, but he just can't. He's got no one around him. I say it again, Kurt Mann has been the most consistent halves player in that NRL squad. And did you see him do an absolute anything on that weekend? No, no he didn't game? play. He didn't have a good game. Blake Green's too. He's, he's too slow, man. <laughs> that's that's where it comes down to. Um, the other, the set, the second thing that Newcastle need to do that Melbourne do really well is is Craig Bellamy adapts to the current game and he makes mm. his team play. Um, last last two years, David Clemmer has been the top offloader. Um, well, in the top three offloaders in the yeah. entire competition. He's been doing This year, no. every team has been making a, a, a really good effort to stop him from offloading. And that limits a lot of Newcastle's attack. And that he they're not adapting to what the other teams are doing. They all know they're going to jam up on Ponga and Best. They all know that they're going to wrap the ball up with um, David Clemmer. So for that reason... Other people need to step up or they need to start change the way they're playing completely. So does it come down to the people around them not being able to step up or no adaptation to the current game and how everyone's playing them? Because if I can see it, I guarantee you Adam O'Brien, I guarantee you Trent Robinson saw it on the weekend and that's the way he played his team. So what do you believe, that Newcastle can't adapt or do you think the players around them, they need more? And... Keep in mind, the only signing we've got so far next year is Jake Clifford. So, and I don't see him changing this thing around. Um, yeah, there's there's no there's no reacting to what the defensive line is doing in a positive way. And like I said, I think the defensive, despite the score line, is fine. It's their attack that needs work because I think I said it last week. It, it, it's funny because like you've asked me that question, I was all silent. But I, I, I've got the camera on me. I'm, I was actually looking up, thinking about it because watching this game after the first twenty minutes, I was wondering, man, what's this score going to be? Roosters yeah. were just clicking, 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 mm-hmm. and it was twenty nil. And then there was a half an hour period where they did nothing. They and played they, really bad. They, they were dropping the ball. They mm-hmm. We're mistiming their runs. Um, yeah, things just weren't going to hand. It just wasn't working well. Well, the see, didn't look flash because they were out of like Joseph Marner was playing fullback. <laughs> Ikevali came on, and that was the point of the game where the Knights had to well, do nothing and take advantage. So, and sorry, yeah. So my point against Penrith was that Penrith, Newcastle, held Penrith on for the first what sixty-five minutes of that game. They held on to kept within scoring distance and Pembroke ran away with it. This game, um, as you said, for about half an hour in that, Melbourne weren't, uh, sorry, Cronulla weren't, fuck, Roosters weren't clicking. Mm. That's where Newcastle was so behind what Adam O'Brien wants them to be as far as cloning Melbourne. 
because when those situations happen against the other team, that's when Melbourne struck. So yeah. against Penrith, when Newcastle got down their end, like they got down their end three times, if Melbourne were playing like that and they are playing defensively, they would have absorbed all the pressure Penrith threw at them. And then when they got their opportunity, they would have scored. Uh-huh. That's just what Newcastle aren't doing. They aren't seeing the other team going, look, you guys are going a bit bad now. This is our time to shine. And that's what Melbourne was so good at. But Newcastle, just there's nothing there. To There wasn't, yeah, there was nothing there. Yeah. And the, the, no fight back. There was no bench either. And it, it's not like they got dominated by, like I said, the Roosters of last year with, with Cordner and Friend and everybody firing all cylinders. This was, we mentioned him earlier, a, a rookie halfback's fifth game. And he, he dominated... Um, a team with seasoned veterans all over the park. And I just love that the halfback opposing him was nearly 20 years older than him. Yeah, and just got completely outplayed. And Sam Walker literally took the game by the scruff of its neck because, yeah, the Roosters were clicking early, but he, he, he continued it throughout the whole game and injected himself where he needed to. Um, Roosters looking good. Next week, I'm, I'm really interested to see what the team list look like. Uh, on Tuesday afternoon to see what Trent Robinson does. Suwali uh, will get a debut. There's my bet. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for, just to see what happens. All right, so Sunday's game, game, sorry, Warriors versus Cowboys up first. So this is a really entertaining game by all accounts. Another one I had to watch on a mini, unfortunately. Um, Half time. Warriors were up 24-4 over the Cowboys, shot out of a cannon. And some really, really decent tries in here by Warriors, some outstanding footy. Uh, Reese Walsh and Cody Nicarima were playing off, playing off each other almost from the opening whistle. Uh, took all the pressure off two of Arsashek, just allowed him to inject himself into the game um, as is want. And it, it paid off. And this is one of the best halves of football uh, the Warriors have played this season and they needed to because they didn't score a point in the second half, which is when the Cowboys came alive. They scored a try in the 32nd minute to Reese Robson. And then the second half, it was Murray Tulagi double and Scott Drinkwater again, getting across the line and brought it all the way back to 24, 20. And it literally came down to conversions, four tries each Valentine home kicking two, Cody Nicarima kicking, uh, three and a penalty goal so Cowboys continuing their their role of putting points up and staying in games which would be pleasing but obviously for Todd Payton the start and the lead that they gave away to the Warriors just isn't good enough and even against a team who's not in the top uh, top four five six teams a, a 20 point lead is generally too big to come back against we saw one with the broncos Titans. it's pretty rare to see two in the same weekend and yeah cowboys fell just short uh this one was down at gosford in front of 3700 uh spectators another good game here for scotty Drinkwater, continuing on his role uh cowboys are believed to have offered him a two-year deal it's now in Drinkwater's court. There are other clubs interested. They haven't been named, but I'm not surprised I, I, I at all. I, I don't see where, where they're going to play. Like yeah, they have to thing. get rid of, 
they have to get rid of either him or Hampton right now. And these guys are the ones leading their attack yes. this year. So next year, they're like... All the there hasn't been any go- talk of a Hampton contract, though, so... I oh, know, and that's disappointing, too, because he's been playing well as well. So... Um, I think we'd both keep drink water over Hampton, though. Oh, yeah, we would, but... Like, what, Nothing what, against what Hampton, because he's, he's a good player, but drink water's what do you a go- little bit more. I just feel bad for him because he's he came from the Melbourne system. He was um he he, he played he's probably come in at the worst time Cowboys have had in a long time. Yeah. Um he's always had a go. And then he finally got the sixth jersey where they're playing well in a little bit of vein of form. And then next year he's gonna come in and Townsend and Deirdre are gonna walk in and take the spot that he I I I believe rightfully earned. Um what are they gonna put him on the bench? I, I wouldn't be surprised if they say, yeah, we've got Dearden. It's a shootout between you two for that halves position. Well, I'm not too happy. Because remember, Dearden's that. a North Queensland. He might also, part of it could just be wanting to come back and play. In... Look, look, they promised him that six spot for next year. That's how they got him there. Did they? I reckon they did. They promised I'd take, him six. I'd honestly take drink water over Dearden. Oh, 100%. But that's how I think, Todd Payton, you got the sixth jersey. You got first crack of sixth jersey next year. I reckon Drinkwater's going to come off the bench. And I think the way he's been playing, um, no disrespect to bench players, but that's disrespectful to <laughs> Scott Drinkwater now, next year. How much more comfortable do you think Chad Townsend would be coming up and playing with someone like how Drinkwater plays compared to did and after spending the last few seasons with Sean Johnson and James Maloney? Well, that's exactly right too, but... Like, what are they just going to sign did and, and upgrade a deal and put him in te- the Blackhawks team, are they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. It'll, it'll, I've no idea. I doubt happen. that very highly. Unless right. they throw him in the centres or keep oh. him on as like a Connor Watson slash Brandon Smith kind of player. Drink water. Yeah. Or did, yeah, yeah. All right. Dean's um, not explosive enough to play that role. Or big enough. So, if you're having a battle of disappointment uh, over the weekend, Dragons could have given Knights a run for their money. Uh, fallen off a cliff, the Dragons. We They started, had a poor week to start, then they had three real decent ones in the last few. Holy jeez. Talk about a roller coaster. Uh, eight to six at halftime at home, Wynn Stadium, against West Tigers, who have played really well down here over the last few years. Um, and Tigers win the second half 10-0. So Dragons unable to score points against one of the defensively worst teams in the comp uh, who are still trying to find their feet. Cody Ramsey and Zach Lomets getting injured, uh, not helping, obviously. Uh, but Corey Norman said it was one of the worst performances um, he's been a part of. And, God, it was hard to watch this game. It was not exciting or thrilling sometimes like a low scoring tight game can be edge of your seat stuff and this is like edge of your seat to leave and not come back to the to the screen uh the highlight of this was literally the zach Sini making his debut and scoring a try in front of his supporter crew of relatives and friends that he bought tickets for and that's pretty much it adam dewey was in everything again and, and had a had a good game, a couple of conversions in there as well. 
Joseph Lay Lewis scoring a try when the game was still within reach for the Dragons and it kind of sealed it because there wasn't much life in the Dragons and that pretty much snuffled all of it out. Uh, this was pretty much a game of two teams that look like they're not going to be playing finals and pretty much just trying to get some points on the board and trying to work things out as they go. To me, the Dragons just look like they were missing strike and and that was, is what got rubbed out uh, via suspension last week. Um, I, I, I don't... I don't know what you're going to get out of the Dragons. They were flying. Three oh, weeks. well, Ben Hunt comes back flying. this week. No, he, yeah. Ben he, Hunt, and he, he was playing really well before he, you know, shattered his leg. Um, he didn't so play. hopefully that can reinvigorate him a little bit. No, he played this week. Oh, did he? Oh, uh-huh. okay. They're shit out of luck then. Um, yeah, mm. yeah. Look, Tigers are always going to... Oh, sorry, Dragons are always going to be like this. They're going to be very hot and cold. They have players in their team who, when they're on form, they're incredible. When they're not, they play like this. And it happens probably 50, they're 50-50 players. Um, you look at Dragons' back line, Matt Dufty, Cody Ramsey, Jack Bird, Zach Lomax, Max Vigai, Corey Norman, Ben Hunt. Um Zach Lomax played 18 minutes before he went off. And Cody Ramsey played till the 66th minute and scored a try. So, scored their only try. Um, I think we talked last week, this is one of the best-looking Dragons backlines they could put together. That whole team, like, that's that's a pretty decent-looking team, uh, all said and done. But, whew, not, yeah, not great. Really, really just not a good performance by the Dragons. Um, all, all the points scored by uh, Tigers were um, through their back line, Leilua, Talao and Dewey. Um, uh, Talao and Leilua getting a try apiece and Zach Senior already mentioned and Dewey kicking over. Um, good on the Tigers winning a game that they, they pretty much dominated. They deserve to win. Um, playing like that, you're not going to beat many of the top teams, but they weren't versing one of them this week. They were versing the Dragons and they did enough to get the win for their club. So good on your Tigers. And that moves them off a tie for the bottom of the table. So at the end of round eight, uh, you got Penrith up on top by themselves. Eight wins, zero losses, um, 60 points against her, which is crazy, and a points differential 152. Eels and Rabbitohs on 14 points. Roosters and Storm on 12 that makes up the top five. Then you've got Dragons and Warriors on eight. And then you've got Titans, Raiders, Seagulls, Knights, Cowboys, all on six points. Uh, Manly all of a sudden actually have better points differential than some teams. It's crazy. They lost but still move up. Uh, Sharks, Tigers, and Broncos all on four points. And Bulldogs on the bottom there on two points with a negative 168 points differential. Um which is disgusting. So we're a third of the way through the season pretty much and things are starting to take shape, although there are still question marks throughout the comp from top to bottom. Um, anything else from you, Jared, before we wrap this one up? No, just in a couple of weeks, we'll have to go over our predictions for the top eight and I can embarrass myself. Oh, yeah, looking forward to that. And we'll be getting <laughs> our... State of Origin 
one teams up pretty soon. I'm starting to have a look into that. Uh, there'll be some surprises, I'm sure, from both of us. Uh, until then, have a safe week. Um, keep an eye out Tuesday afternoon for team lists, and we'll be back at you Thursday morning. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.